0: Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today we are going to take a look at profiles of Adalberto Mondesi, potentially one of, if not the most controversial player, heading into 2019 drafts. We're also going to take a look at Rafael Devers and Garrett Hampson. I want to give a thanks to at Revless eighty four on Twitter for suggesting at Alberto Mondesi, uh, after giving a five star rating and review. Mark Deroche, uh, I hope I am pronouncing that right. Mark, uh, a big fan of the uh, of the podcast and the Twitter account. Thank you, Mark, for suggesting Garrett Hampson, and then Diaz on iTunes for suggesting Raphael Devers. And again, those folks left a five star rating and review, and get to suggest one person to be profiled on a future podcast, which happens to be A Now podcast because it's this podcast. I also give a shout out in our reach Charles segment to Jeff Zimmerman of fantasy baseball fame for the amazing content that he's creating ranging from the his new book The Process uh, which is awesome uh, to the daily articles news notes updates that he puts out that have some really great fantasy analysis and strategy. So uh, definitely a thanks and shout out to Jeff Zimmerman for that. He also uh, is half of probably my favorite be- fantasy baseball podcast, the Launch Angle Podcast, along with Rob Silver. On a personal note, uh, on Tuesday, me and my family are packing our bags and we are heading back to California. I grew up there. My wife grew up there. We have uh, spent various times in different locations. It's been uh, 18 years since I lived there. Uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit less for my wife. So. Definitely exciting about the move, uh, being closer to family as folks with small kids will uh, understand if you're fortunate enough to have that opportunity to be close to family. It definitely, or hopefully, will make things easy. I'm assuming it is. That's that's why we're moving. Uh, But it's obviously also sad to leave uh, the community uh, that I've built here, my wife, our family has built uh, here in Washington State. Uh, with some time in in Seattle and Olympia. Uh, Sometimes it's not until you have to say goodbye to a place that you realize uh, how much the people there and the place has meant to you. So there's a little uh, nugget of wisdom uh, as one goes through a a major life change. Uh, Because of the move, you may not see as much content from me over the next week or so, uh, maybe even a little bit longer. Family's obviously moving, gotta get everything set up. Uh, and I'm also starting a new job. So definitely wish us luck, especially driving for a couple days, uh, two separate cars, two small children, and a cat. But the good news is, is that we learned that you can get sedatives for your cat so that you can sedate them for the drive. So that may be the best news I've heard in a very long time. Uh, one good development that has already uh, arisen from the move to Northern California is that I'm closer to the, the hub of activity in that state, uh, in the fantasy baseball industry. And Justin Mason of Friends with Fantasy Benefits, Sleeper in the Bust, uh, The Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, uh, and, and you know many other uh, fantasy baseball outlets Um, He was kind enough to invite me to participate in this year's BARF, which stands for Bay Area Roto Fantasy League. Um, It's been going on, I think, for at least a few years. And um, yeah, uh, he found out I was moving to Northern California and was really nice enough to extend an invite there. So really looking forward to meeting him, uh, Bubba from uh, Bench with Bubba podcast, uh, and some uh, some other folks in the fantasy industry um, at that draft. It actually happens two days uh, after my family moved. So definitely give my wife uh, props. She's a saint for letting me participate in that because she knew how much I wanted to do that. So thank you, Justin, uh, for the invite. I'm very excited to participate there. I also just want to give a huge shout out to folks um, for showing love for the podcast. Since releasing the Catcher Preview, um, I've had a ton of great feedback, um, both positive stuff and constructive stuff and questions and, and just really great. So I really appreciate that. I've also gotten a number of Additional five star ratings on the podcast, which again, you know, that algorithm is used to kind of promote fantasy baseball podcasts. So I can't thank you enough uh, for that. I'll be starting research uh, for the first base preview uh, podcast right after recording uh, this. Um, So look for that to come out sometime relatively soon, but no promises given the move. Um, And I just, you know, wanted to throw it out there that, you know, I love doing this podcast. And the community that's developed around it and on Twitter has just been so great. Um, You know, just the engagement, uh, I love it. You know, people are super thoughtful. So just wanted to say thank you uh, so much for listening to the podcast, for engaging on Twitter, um, for being part of the community that... um, uh, that I have uh, here in, in Fantasy Baseball and on Twitter. So thank you very much for that. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at batflipcrazyfantasy, Fantasy YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy, and the website is BatFlipCrazy.com. I'm going to try to get up after each preview at least a screenshot of what I'm looking at uh, as I do the, the dives uh, on players um, so that you can kind of get a visual of what I'm looking at. Adalberto Mondesi, Garrett Hampson, Rafael Devers, let's get this party started. First up tonight, we are going to cover probably the most, if not, or one of, if not the most controversial player heading into 2019 drafts. That is Adalberto Mondesi, shortstop for the Kansas City Royals. Mondesi's NFBC average draft position over the last month is 40 uh, with a low pick of 27 and a high pick of 53. Last year in 291 plate appearances, uh, he hit 276 on a 277 expected average. Uh, Previously, he had failed to hit over 200 with a 170 and 185 batting average, although the expected average in both of those seasons was right around 2.30. So was there some progress that uh, Adalberto made this year from a skills perspective? His BABIP was at 335 after a 267 and 271 BABIP the two previous years. Obviously, he's a he's a super fast guy. But as we get into his detailed batted ball profile, we'll see the reasons for some optimism and why that BABIP was so high. Because when he did hit the ball, he did hit it hard and had some pretty nice launch angles last year. His strikeout rate also fell, 26.5 uh, uh, percent last year. And one of the narratives I find challenging around Adalberto Mondesi. Is the idea that you know he belongs in the same bucket of players as like a Javi Baez or someone of that nature when it comes to his plate discipline? Now, overall, they may be similar, but you know the the um, you know the plate discipline skills, which we'll get to in a second for Mondesi, have actually improved pretty steadily uh, since he came into the league uh, with his best his best skills towards the end of last season. And he's still about 10% away from where Javi Baez is regularly in terms of his swing outside the zone. So that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, From a contact perspective, 67% overall contact rate, 10% below league average. That is a huge hole in Mondesi's game and what he's going to really have to... um, that's, That's what's making people worried about drafting him where he's going right now at a 40 average draft position. His in-zone contact rate is at 81%. That's actually down from previous years, where he was around 84%. Uh, but again, this is the largest uh, sample size that we have, uh, with um, the 291 plate appearances so far. OBP of 306 on a 306 expected OBP. His OBP the two previous years, 214 and 231, uh, right around 270, though, in terms of the expected OBP. Now, those seasons were 60 plate appearances and 149 plate appearances. And so, uh, you know, with the 149 coming two years ago. So take with take those with a grain of salt. His O-swing, so his plate discipline, 38.5%. Uh, last year over the course of the full season, that's the second consecutive year he's been right around 39% for his O swing. That is well uh, below league or well worse than league average, which is around 31%. But one thing we'll get to when we take a look at his rolling average graphs is over the last 40 games, that number is actually down to 35.3%. So a pretty good, um, swing there swing percentage at 55 percent which is well above league average not surprisingly he's very very aggressive one thing again that we'll note with the uh, rolling average graphs is the fact that his in zone swing rate is going up while his o swing his outside the zone rate is going down so he's becoming more selective in terms of uh, swinging at pitches inside or outside the zone he's swinging at the right pitches and he's just being super aggressive within the zone. Now, one of the results of this, and I think this is really important to keep in mind because people are going to criticize Mondesi, rightfully so, for his batting average and for his strikeout rate or his lack of contact. Now, one thing that to keep in mind with guys that have Mondesi's approach, like Javi Baez, like Avisail Garcia, like Sal Perez, is that you know, Sal Perez has better, better contact skills, but the kind of super aggressive guys with really low walk rates is that that type of approach actually lowers strikeout rates as well, because while they may swing and miss a lot, they're swinging at a ton of pitches, right? They're not taking a lot of pitches. And so, you know, chances are that they're swinging two or three times, you know, uh, in, in a situation where they're missing, you know, the pitch that they're swinging at. And so that is going to drive that strikeout rate, um, keep that strikeout rate low. So that 26.5% isn't necessarily, ref- necessarily reflective of the really low contact rate. And that's because the swing rate is so high. Walk percentage at 3.8%, so very low there. And when you look at the 3.8% walk percentage and the 26.5% K percentage, I think that's where kind of alarm bells Go off. Uh, from a runs perspective, 47 runs with a 16.2% runs per plate appearance. Now, that number is very, very high uh, because of the stolen bases for Mondesi partially, but with a 306 uh, OBP, it's unlikely for him to repeat that. I would expect him to be much closer uh, to league average. 14 home runs last year that came on 14 expected home runs. So the expected home runs are going to support that. And I think as we dig into the batted ball quality that Mondesi has, that's one of the things that's really exciting for me because it highlights the fact that this is a guy who could hit for very high BABIPs and a guy who could hit for a decent amount of power. So 14 home runs, 14 expected home runs last year, one home run, two expected home runs, year before that, two home runs and 3.7 expected home runs. So we have, I believe it's uh, around 500 plate appearances for his career for Mondesi, and we have 19.7 expected home runs. So consider that, but also consider the fact that his expected home runs per plate appearance was at 4.8% along with his home runs per plate appearance, and that's 1.2% better than league average. Really exciting for a guy with his type of speed. A 43.1% hard hit rate, which is way up. That's up 18% from last year. And, you know, that's again something that's really exciting and a continuous trend with Mondesi is the fact that he's hitting the ball hard. His ground ball rate was at 41.3%, so also below league average. And that highlights the power potential for Mondesi. He's not a slap hitter like a lot of speedsters, especially speedsters without OBPs, right? He's not a Malik Smith, he's not a Billy Hamilton. This is a guy who um, is hitting the ball in the air. His home run per fly ball rate was at 19.7%, so pretty elevated there, although again in line with the expected home runs per fly ball. And last year, in the small sample size that we had, uh, he did have a 22.2% expected home run per fly ball and a 12.3% expected home run per fly ball two years ago. So he's right around league average, if not above it. And again, remember, he is hitting a decent amount of fly balls. Hard hit fly ball rate, 43.7%, so better than league average. 55.6 and 50% the two years before then. Again, a very, very small sample size. So just consider that as I I mentioned these numbers. And then hard hit pulled fly ball rate. This is what's really exciting too about Mondesi is he's now got 500 plate appearances of a really high hard hit pulled fly ball rate. 38.7% last year, better than league average after 60% and 46.7% the two years before that. Again, very small sample sizes that we're dealing with, at least in the Two previous years, but really nice to see that he's also pulling the ball. His barrels per plate appearance, twenty-one barrels, seven point two percent barrels per plate appearance. That is a very very nice number, and it's ahead of a lot of guys that you would be surprised of. I tweeted out kind of earlier in the year um, what that uh, what that looked like, and I think it's um, Bryce Harper. He's got a higher. Uh, barrel rate than Bryce Harper, he's got a higher barrel rate than, um, so let's see, we've got Adalberto Montesi at 7.2%, Jesus Aguilar, he's ahead of Jesus Aguilar, Reese Hoskin, Francisco Lindor, Travis Shaw, Mitch Haniger. Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper, Jose Abreu, Eddie Rosario, you know, so these guys that we think about as being at least decent power hitters, if not elite power hitters uh, Mondesi actually had a higher barrels per plate appearance last year than those guys. And, you know, there's a pretty good year to year correlation in terms of barrels per plate appearance. So that's really nice to see. And in all three years, he had a very high average home run distance, 411, 436, 412. RBI 37 with a 12.7% RBI per plate appearance. Again, you know, the home runs will help that out considerably, but I, you know, he's probably going to be batting leadoff next year. I believe the plan is to have Billy Hamilton batting ninth, Mondesi batting leadoff, and Whit Merrifield batting second. Talk about some speedsters in a row there. Um, So I think that the RBI per plate appearance will likely go down at least uh, a little bit. Um, So I think you can see, in terms of rate stats, I think, you know, um, uh, in terms of RBI per plate appearance, I think you're going to see that go down slightly from a percentage standpoint, as, as will the runs. Um, and I think that's built into the projections that we that we see that we're gonna talk about in a little bit. 341 WOBA, 339 expected WOBA. Now here is where things get really exciting, right? The stolen bases. At Alberto Mondesi, in 291 plate appearances, he had 32 stolen bases. For an 11% stolen base per plate appearance, that's over six standard deviations above the mean, right? This is Trey Turner You know, this is better than Trey Turner in the years where he was stealing at an insane rate. Stolen base success rate, 82.1% this last year. He attempted a stolen base in 47.6% of his stolen base opportunities. Now, that number is likely going to go low. Uh, Folks have been talking about this on Twitter for a while, but, you know, that is one of the highest numbers that you will see ever. And so it's likely to regress. But one thing to consider is that in his 500 plate appearances in the big leagues, that number for those 500 plate appearances stands around 40%. And so, yes, it's likely to regress, but how low is it going to go, especially on a Royals team where they have not been shy about stealing bases and, in fact, seem to be fully embracing stolen bases like no other team uh, in the big leagues, in terms of their roster construction, so something to think about. And the speed, not surprisingly, is there. Sprint speed of 29.9 feet per second, three feet better than league average, and he's been right around that 29.30 mark for the last um, for the last little bit. Let's take a look at the detailed batted ball profile for Mondesi, which is. Pretty uh, interesting. So his pop-up percentage is slightly better, uh, worse than league average, 20.3%, 18% being league average. Those are those pop-ups that we don't like to see. They're pretty much automatic outs. But where there's been huge growth for Mondesi is actually in hard drives. He's at 16.3%, so 5.5% better than league average on hitting balls at ideal exit velocity and launch angles. You see that reflected in the barrel number, but it's just confirmed here with the hard drive rate. That's nearly double what he was at last year. Now, the line drives are even pretty low at 14.4% last year, as are the ground balls at 17.3%. Dribblers are slightly uh, worse than league average, 25.3% compared to 24.6%. But it's key to hone in on that dribbler percentage, the pop-up percentage, not necessarily where we want them to be, but that hard drive percentage being really high is very very nice a 13.1% value hit rate for Mondesi last year with 10% being league average and a and a lower than league average poor hit rate at 26.5% Supporting that 336 BABIP and that 277 batting average. So, if Mondesi can continue with this type of batted ball quality, that's really going to help him out with the batting average because that's what he's going to need in order to sustain a better than league average batting average. And you'll see with the projections, a lot of them have him, you know, in the high 240s, in the low uh, 250s. For that reason, right? He's it's challenging you know, uh, without having a little bit more evidence to know for sure whether that batted ball quality is going to be continue. But again, the signs are really, really good. He's done this before. Um, it's a skill that he, that he has. And so whether he's going to be able to do that as pitchers adjust to him, um, You know, that's going to be really, really interesting to see, and why there are so many debates um, about his value. Now, let's take a look at his rolling average graph, his 40 game rolling average graph here. I mentioned, um, so the Z contact, we have, it's actually down a little bit um, at 80% for um, the last 40 games, and it dipped a little bit towards the end of the season. But again, you know, he's not he's not Joey Gallo, right? He's not in the mid 70% uh, when it comes to his contact. He's not as good as he had been previously, you know, in the kind of low to mid eighties, but an 80% Z contact in zone contact rate with improving plate discipline and a very high swing percentage um, is, is going to keep that K percentage well below 30%, I believe. The Z swing, uh, I don't normally cover this, but I think it's important with Mondesi to demonstrate kind of the growth that he's had in play discipline. And I feel like this is a spot where people are not... You know, it's small sample sizes, obviously, right? We have 500 plate appearances. We're talking about 40-game rolling averages. There's a lot of variance. But I feel like people keep on talking about his plate discipline like it's a static thing, like he hasn't shown improvements in plate discipline. And I don't think that's fair to Mondesi because he really has. This year, his uh, Z swing uh, over the last 40 games, 72.7%. Uh, peaks at around 75%, and that's after being consistently in the mid-60%, right? So he's being highly aggressive in swinging at pitches in the zone. At the same time, his O swing rate, the 40-game rolling average, has dropped from a 45.6% towards the beginning of this year all the way down to 35.3%. Again, 35.3% is not good, but it's not atrocious. There are plenty of folks... Uh, who have been successful having o swings around uh, around 35% and some of the names would uh, would surprise you. And so the trend line is also very consistently down. So is that is this just a little bit of variance and he's going to go back up? Or is he is his eye improving? You know, and, and obviously, if you're taking the hopeful perspective, then that's what's happening. And if you're taking if you're pessimistic about it, uh, then you are obviously um, think that that's going to bounce back up uh, into the high Baez territory. But for right now, you know, over the last two seasons that we have small sample sizes, again, he's been around 38. Um, hard hit rate uh, is up at 44 percent over the last 40 games. Um, it, was, it was right around 40% for most of the season uh, with a little bit of bump towards the end there. And then his ground ball rate, uh, pretty consistently towards the end of the season, actually below the, th- the career trend line. Uh, 41.1%, it, at, it got as low as 35.1% at a certain point towards the end of the season. So again, in every single area where you wanna see improvement from a hitter that has Mondesi's approach, you're seeing it with the exception of the contact, right? We wanna see the contact go up. And so it's a little sad to see that going down. But again, he's being aggressive in the zone, which is gonna keep that strikeout rate lower. Um, He's being more selective in terms of the pitches that he swings at, he's not chasing as much. He's hitting the ball really hard and he's hitting the ball in the air. And Mondesi is a guy who has shown the batted ball quality, right? That hard drive rate at 16.3% is tremendous. The 7.2% barrels per plate appearance with, you know, with a guy like Mondesi with his speed, that is incredible, right? And so that I think is what is so exciting to me about Mondesi is that it's not just what he did last year. I don't expect that he's gonna repeat that. I'm not going to extrapolate that to 600 plate appearances, for instance. But what I do believe, I do believe that Mondesi is demonstrating the ability to adapt. Now, whether or not pitchers have adapted to him or not, I'm not sure. But it's going to be really interesting to see where those trend lines go. Now I'm gonna feature something new to the profile since I've, uh, I did my first positional preview uh, last night. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely check out the Catcher preview. But one thing that I wanted to take a peek at is where is Mondesi going and what is his projection of projections? So taking Steamer, the Bat, and the ATC projections, which are publicly available on Fangraphs, and taking a look at what, if you combine all of those projections and divide them by three, what, what does it look like for Mondesi? What it looks like is 600 plate appearances, 75 runs, 20 home runs, 65 RBI, and, and 41 stolen bases with a 247 batting average, right? So you are essentially getting um, solid contributions in runs and RBIs. You're getting RBI. You're getting solid contribution in home runs you're getting elite contribution in stolen bases. 26.1% of the stolen bases that you need to finish on average number one in that category in your 15-team league, Adalberto Mondesi is projected to reach that. And that's with a stolen base per plate appearance of 6.8%. When we take a look at his ADP, his ADP of 40, that is a $26 ADP. That's the cost of that ADP in terms of auction values. Now, the bat, which is what I'm using right now to generate uh, my standard gain points, they're actually uh, the bat is lowest on Adalberto Mondesi of the three projection systems. They have him as an $18 player. Now, this is actually using a pretty conservative 63 37 hitter pitcher split. I use that because that's around what the NFBC goes at, but in a lot of your home leagues and less. Um, kind of competitive leagues that don't have an overall prize. It's likely to be closer to 67 uh, 33, so keep that in mind. So a conservative projection, the most conservative of the projection systems um, on Mondesi, using a conservative uh, approach to the, pitcher, the hitter-pitcher split, he's an $18 player at a $26 ADP. So that is a negative $8 value. So, you know, there is the possibility, right? With Mondesi, that's the concern with spending an ADP of 40 on the guy is that you need him to produce $26 to match that value. The challenge is, is that a lot of players in the top 100 are not going to return value, right? The higher you are in the draft picks that you're making, the the harder it is to return value, right? The season needs to be better. And so I can't remember where I was reading it. It was either in the Baseball HQ Forecaster or on Twitter, but the conversation folks were having was around the return on investment of top 100 picks last year. And I wanna say it was a, a fairly low percentage of folks within the top 100 that actually returned value. So that's important to note. The thing about Mondesi that's really exciting for me is this. His value is in his stolen bases. If he gets plate appearances, he is going to steal bases. I find it very hard to envision a situation where Adalberto Mondesi does not spend the full season, as long as he's healthy, on the Kansas City Royals. Mondesi is a strong defensive shortstop. He is a key part of the Royals' future. And this is a team that allowed Alcides Escobar for three years to be the starting shortstop and play 162 games a year. There is nothing in the way the Royals manage their roster that gives me any indication that if Mondesi struggles, you know, let's say he hits 230, let's say he hits 220, Right, we don't want that to happen, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. Right, the projection systems are not saying that's going to happen. Let's say he hits 220, and he has a 270 OBP. If he gets to 600 plate appearances, and and it could be much more than 600 if he if he plays every game, right? Remember, Whit Merrifield's been around 700 plate plate appearances as the leadoff hitter for the Royals, right? You know, he is going to steal. 40 bases. I feel confident in that. Even if his OBP is very low, he's very he's shown the propensity to steal. The Royals have given no indication that they're going to give him a red or yellow light, and he's been incredibly successful. Everybody knows that he's going to steal a base when he gets on base, and he still steals bases at over an 80% clip. That bodes really, really well for me in terms of his value. Now when we took a look at his batted ball quality, he provides support in categories that other stolen base guys don't with the exception of maybe Trey Turner and maybe Jonathan VR. But again, remember Jonathan VR has done it for one season. Right? And you know, you're obviously saying, "Well, Mondesi's really only done it for one season too." And you'd be you'd be absolutely correct. But what I see from Mondesi is he hits the ball in the air. He hits the ball with authority. He's highly aggressive in terms of his swing rate, which is going to keep that that strikeout rate reasonable. And he doesn't have the same flaw that VR has, which is that he hits a crap ton of ground balls. You know, Jonathan VR, when he struggled mightily, he had one of the highest percentage of dribblers of any... Uh, hitter in baseball those seasons and those are the the balls that you hit right into the ground right so jonathan vr last year 37.2 percent dribblers Mondesi was at 25.3 percent the year before that 39.1 percent dribblers the year before that 33.5 percent dribblers the year before that 37.1 percent dribblers Jonathan VR's highest hard drive rate is 9.7%. Again, Mondesi was at 16.3%. VR's highest value hit rate is 10.9%. Actually, last year, Uh, Mondesi's is 13%. So I won't go over, you know, I won't keep uh, bombarding you with this. But the reason why I'm really focusing on this is I think a lot of the criticisms and the concern about Mondesi is obviously justified. We have not seen it for a full season, but stolen bases is the best insurance policy for value because stolen bases are the scarcest resource, maybe with the exception of batting average, depending on how you quantify them, right? But is, is one of the scarcest resources in baseball. And so if he steals 40 bases, if he gets those 600 plate appearances, even 500 plate appearances, there is a floor to how far he is going to fall from my perspective now i could be absolutely totally wrong here but the reason why you know jonathan vr was on a on a team that was competing for the playoffs and he was playing poorly and so they took him out and he did not get regular at bats he struggled mightily i don't see a situation where alberto mondesi has the same issue where they take him out of the lineup. They just signed Billy Hamilton uh, to a deal, right? Um, They have a history of having guys in the lineup with his exact same profile, and he's plus defensively. So that is why I don't have a problem with folks drafting Adalberto Mondesi at an ADP of 40, Will I draft Adalberto Mondesi at an ADP of 40? It depends depends on my team construction. I think I will have him in at least a couple places. Number one, because he's the most exciting player to have in all of fantasy baseball. If you owned him towards the end of last year, my God, was it exciting, right? Stealing bases left and right, barreling the ball left and right, home runs left and right. It was just really, really exciting. Every single one of his at-bats was exciting for that reason. And every time he got on base, it was exciting for that reason. And that's why we play the game. But from a team construction standpoint, you need to factor in the batting average. But again, he's at 247, right? That's where three projection systems, which are regressing his average to the mean, have him at. That is below league average, but it is not a death knell for your team. Could he hit 220? Could he hit 230? Sure he could but so could Chris Davis along with his 40 home runs, right? You know, these are the risks that you take. And I think the floor, because of the stolen bases for Mondesi, actually provides a little bit of insurance uh, for for the ADP, for the cost um, that you um, are paying for him, right? So if we look at some of the guys that are going around um, uh, our buddy Mondesi, right? In the, in the um, uh, NFBC, let's take a look at the guys going around him. Mondesi, so Rizzo. Rizzo is a, is a safe bet, right? Rizzo is a safe guy. Starling Marte loves Starling Marte, right? But then you get into guys like Reese Hoskins, right? Who has a fairly low batting average, right? He'll probably have a similar batting average to Mondesi. And he's going to provide a lot of home runs and RBIs, but, you know, the runs may not be as high. Uh, The stolen bases certainly aren't going to be there, right? You have Cody Bellinger. Bellinger has warts too. Chris Davis, warts too. Obviously, they're consistent performers, but there isn't a lack of risk uh, in their profile necessarily. I mean, all the pitchers going here, Luis Severino, Clayton Kershaw. So... I'll wrap this up, but I wanted to cover Mondesi for a while. I wanted to cover the angles because I really do think that he is. I think I feel pretty good about the playing time, and I think if he has the playing time, I think the stolen bases provide enough insurance to limit uh, the amount of uh, stolen uh, the, li- limit the amount of value you might lose at this position. And in constructing your team, having a guy who can steal 40 bases without hurting you a lot in any of the other categories and providing power, uh, that is something that you can't find virtually anywhere else in the draft. Next up, we have Rafael Devers, third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. ADP in over the last month in NFBC drafts of 152. Uh, with a minimum pick of 103 and a max pick of 184. Now, Devers obviously was a little bit of a disappointment Uh, last year. I think folks had high hopes after his rookie year where he hit 284. This year, he hit 240 with a 238 expected batting average, so didn't look like there was any bad luck involved in that batting average. His Babbitt dropped by 60 points from 342 to 281. Strikeout rate went up by one point uh, with a little bit of a drop in overall contact rate, although his in-zone contact did go up by 1%. So really, it's an issue of of pitch selection. Uh, 298 OBP, 297 expected OBP after 338 and 339. Does not have very good uh, patience at the plate. 36.7% O swing last year, slightly better than in 2017. His swing rate is right around 52%, uh, so he's pretty aggressive. 7.8% walk rate after 7.5%, below league average walk rate. Uh, Last year, 59 runs scored at a 12% runs per plate appearance, with 13.1% being league average, well down from 14.2% last year, but also reflecting the big drop in OBP. Again, below league average OBP, and when we look at the skills with the O-swing being where it's at um, and the contact not being uh, that great, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily bode well for the average or the walk percentage unless some skills, underlying skills change. 21 home runs he hit last year on 18.4 expected home runs. That's after 10 home runs and 9.3 expected home runs in 2017. So he does have a little bit of pop right around uh, league average home runs per plate appearance. Uh, 3.8% expected home runs per plate appearance. 4.3% home runs per plate appearance. So slightly lucky, but you know still just a, a smidge better than league average. Hard hit rate. Holding steady at thirty four and a half percent. Remember the overall league hard hit rate jumped by about four percent last year, and so you know, Devers st- staying standing pat here around thirty four point five percent. That you know that in an essence compared to other folks, it's a little bit of a dip uh, compared to league average, and it's below league average. Uh, Ground ball percentage, uh, down a little bit, down by 3%, to 46.2%, but still worse than league average, so not hitting a ton of fly balls, which I think will be an important part of his development as a power hitter. 16.5% home runs per fly ball, expected is only at 14.5%, still better than league average, but underlying metrics aren't that great either. 34.6% hard hit fly ball rate right around league average, 38.6% hard hit pulled fly ball rate. A slightly better than league average, and the barrel rate at 6.1%, up slightly from last year at 5.8%. So, some positive progression there, but I think overall, um, you know, a little bit of a disappointment thus far in Devers' career. Obviously, the dude is young, development is not linear. Those are some of the things that you need to be thinking about uh, with a guy with his pedigree um, who is still uh, only 22 years old, just turned 22. Uh, you obviously need to have a little patience, but uh, the boom can happen happen quickly. Uh, 66 uh, RBI last year, 13.5%. RBI per plate appearance. He's obviously in a great situation um, in Boston uh, with the lineup that they have. 310 WOBA, 308 expected uh, WOBA for, um, uh, for Devers. Uh, stolen bases, uh, 5 and 3, so 8 over the last two years. Uh, 1% stolen base per plate appearance. Um, he is slightly below league average in terms of his stolen base opportunity percentage at 4.4%. Sprint free, sprint speed at 27.3 feet per second, actually down almost a full foot from last year. Uh, that um, that is slightly better than league average, but you know nothing nothing to write home about there. So overall, I think with with Devers, um, there's nothing that jumps out in the profile as being particularly uh, exciting this year. Obviously, you're not paying. Uh, a really high price, um, for, uh, for Devers, uh, this year, you know, it's still, it's still a lot though, you know, around pick 150. Um, we, co- I covered, uh, catchers in a preview recently. That's where a lot of the catcher ones, um, are going, uh, right around there in that round. And so that's something to be thinking about, um, too, uh, with whether Devers makes sense. Uh, let's take a look at his detailed batted ball profile. Uh, Pop-up percentage uh, surged by 5% last year, so up to 20.9%. His dribblers did go down uh, by 5% as well. So uh, swapping some pop-ups for some dribblers, uh, which is not a good trade. Uh, (laughs) um, But, you know, the hard drive percentage did go up uh, to 13.3%, so better than league average up from 12.1% last year. So, you know, some... Uh negative movement in terms of the detailed batted ball profile, 31.4% poor hit percentage. According to X stats, that's 3% worse than league average. Um, and then his value hit percentage is right around league average at 10.8%. So again, you know, there's nothing really in, in Devers' profile. I mean, a lot of times you're looking for maybe a sign that good things are happening or that some positive development is taking place, but um, in general, there isn't much exciting endeavors prop, uh, profile right now, at least from a skills uh, a skills perspective. Let's take a look at his rolling forty average, uh, forty game average. Um, he did have some positive growth in um, contact rate as the year progressed. So finished the year right around league average at about eighty uh, five percent in zone contact, whereas earlier in the year he was really struggling. Uh, between 80 and 75%. So that is a good sign. The challenge with that is that it was accompanied by a sharp spike in his ground ball rate um, as well. Uh, He um, had a 51.9% ground ball rate over his last 40 games. Again, he battled some injuries last year, so it's definitely important to take that into consideration. And he wasn't getting as consistent a playing time um, as you would have liked him to uh, with... um, uh, so, just something to uh, just something to think about there, but the ground ball going up along with the contact is not necessarily what we want to see. in addition, the hard uh, hit rate uh, kind of fell over the course of the year. It was up around forty percent towards the beginning of the year, and then that dipped down to thirty percent um, for much of the second half of the year. The one positive development is that the o swing did improve, getting all the way down to thirty three point one percent over his last forty games so You know, if there's anything to to kind of hold on to in that uh, rolling average graphs, I think it is the improvement in the plate discipline and the improvement in the contact. That's always nice to see, although it did seem to impact the type of batted ball and the quality of that batted ball uh, that he was hitting. All right, let's take a look at um, what we have uh, for Devers. So going at an ADP of 151, that is a $9 pick, uh, 151. Um, the SGP, uh, for that is uh, or based on his projections, which are five hundred forty-seven plate appearances, seventy-one runs, twenty-three home runs, seventy-eight RBI, and six stolen bases with a two sixty-seven batting average. Uh, that's a twelve-dollar player. So you're looking at a three three-dollar value according to his projection, um, based on where he. Uh, is going right now. He's ranked 137 uh, by uh, his valuation. So, you know, a little bit of a value based on the projection and where he's going. Uh, You know, obviously, as I mentioned, development is not linear with players. And so this could be a situation where, um, you know, Devers takes a uh, a big leap. Um, That would certainly be nice to see. In terms of where he's going in drafts, I mentioned he's going around where a lot of catchers are going. The uh, five players in front of him around pick one fifty two, uh, Billy Hamilton at pick one fifty, uh, Buster Posey at pick one forty nine, Ian Desmond at pick one forty seven, Yadier Molina at pick one forty six, Andrew McCutcheon at pick one forty five. Um, obviously, you know as you, as you get later into the drafts, you're thinking about team construction. Uh, and your needs uh, from a position standpoint. Uh, I'm a big fan of Yadier Molina. I'm a big fan of Andrew McCutchen. Uh, I'm also like Buster Posey as long as he comes back in spring training and he looks and he seems healthy. I think the average from the catcher position where he's going right now at 150 gives uh, a really solid floor for him. Again, barring um injuries or um any setbacks uh, in his progress from hip uh, surgery, Billy Hamilton obviously uh total speedster, so if that's what you need at that point in time, get him. But, um, you know, uh, the guys going behind him, Yoan Moncada, going behind him, Mike Moustakas, uh, Stephen Piscati, Nomar Mazzara, Harrison Bader. I think this is the challenge with Devers is there's not really a quality yet uh, that stands out with him. You know, he does not have a ton of uh, speed uh, he does not hit yet for a good batting average, and the power isn't necessarily elite. And so you could look like a, look at a guy like Mike Moustakas, uh, depending on where he ends up, and you could just say, well, you know, Mike Mustakas, the average isn't great, but we've seen better power than Devers has shown. And, you know, from accounting stats perspective, I might give Devers the edge in terms of runs, but depending on where Mustakas ends up, he could have more um, RBI and then the stolen bases. Again, Devers with a few more, but... You know, a guy like Yolan Moncada. obviously batting average is a concern, but he had some really good progress in terms of his in zone contact last year. Stevens Piscotti is a guy that I would take over Devers at this point. Put together a really kind of low-profile, solid season last year. Um, obviously his down year coincided with when he was in St. Louis and his mom was sick, and so um, getting into Oakland... Uh, he tended to heat up towards the end of the year. And then Bader obviously brings the power-speed combo. You're going to have issues with batting average, but Devers is no sure thing in that department either. So that, that's why I don't think I'm going to be grabbing Devers in many places um, in drafts this year. Just, I just, um, you know, there's the possibility that he takes a big step forward. You just aren't necessarily sure. Um, you just, you know, that's what you're kind of hoping for if you're drafting him at this position. Yes, he can get you a little bit of value, but I think you're better, off, better served addressing other issues um, in your team at this point, um, with some guys going later, like Mustakas, like Yuli Gurriel with third base eligibility, Joey Wendell, um, Miguel Sano. I don't like Miguel Sano necessarily, but if you need power, even a Brian Anderson um, you know, going around pick 281 so there is or as drupal cabrera going at pick uh, 293 i mean that's actually a decent comp for devers right now so for that reason i think i'm staying away from devers in this draft if he does have if his linear if his development is not linear this year and he takes a huge step forward i will probably miss out on it but i don't want to pay um expecting that um or um not even pay expecting that because you're not being required to pay um pay that cost necessarily um, but there's just nothing that stands out in the profile right now um, that makes me think that that's coming. Next up, we are going to cover Garrett Hampson, a rookie, uh, second baseman primarily with the Colorado Rockies, or at least that's where we, uh, folks anticipate that he's going to play most of his games with Trevor Story at shortstop. He does at this point only have shortstop eligibility, so that is one thing. Uh, To remember when you draft him, he is likely to get second base eligibility at some point during the first month of the season, depending on what your league's eligibility requirements are. But right now he is listed only as a shortstop. Currently going at an ADP of 183 with a min pick of 133 and a max pick of 230. Now I will say from the onset that um, providing analysis of Uh, folks who are essentially prospects, right? He has 48 plate appearances, uh, 24 games in in the big league so far. You know, the analysis that I'm going to do involves a very, very small sample size, and I am by no means an expert on prospects. So if you're really looking for a good dive into Garrett Hampson and what you might expect from this year, definitely check out um, your, whichever prospect site you trust, you know, prospect live is obviously, um, a new one on the scene, but, uh, I really enjoyed the content that they're putting out. So definitely check out, um, the folks that you trust. Um, there's been a lot of prospect lists coming out. Hampson is on a lot of the top 100s. So definitely, you know, take a look, see what they're saying about what you might expect. So in our 48 plate appearance sample. What do we have from Hampson? We have a 275 batting average with a 232 expected average. So we'll see in the detailed batted ball profile that the contact he's been making has not necessarily been ideal in those 48 plate appearances. Again, it's 48 plate appearances. Uh, 393 Babbitt, so that's likely unsustainable. Uh, 25% strikeout rate. His contact right around league average overall. Uh, although slightly down in zone at 82.5%, 396 OBP, but a 360 expected OBP. Now, the really nice thing about Hampson is, for some reason, there are very few speedsters who have decent plate discipline. At least, you know, a lot of times they're challenged by pitchers, they get a a high percentage of pitches inside the zone, Uh, but, you know, they also don't take a pitch. Hampson is not this type of guy. 18.8% uh, O swing throughout his minor league car- career. He had uh, walk rates around uh, double digits, uh, slightly above double digits. So he is a guy who has shown, at least in his minor league career, uh, that he can walk. Uh, swing percentage 42.9%, so slightly about 4% below league average, so patient approach. And that shows in a 14.6% walk rate in those 48 plate appearances. Again, very small sample size. He did only score three runs, 6.3 runs per plate appearance, but, you know, given the high OBP and the speed and where he plays, uh, that's a little bit surprising and and will not be staying there if he gets plate appearances. I think that's the major question with Hamson is, you know, the first question is, are they going to give him consistent playing time? And then I think the second question is whether he's going to be able to um be as successful against major league pitching and and that's where i maybe have a little bit of a concern again i'm not a prospect analyst i'm not looking at his hitting mechanics and figuring out whether this is the case but i'm going to take a look at the underlying metrics and tell you why zero home runs uh 0.6 expected home runs um so again he's not a big power guy he has a little bit of power but it's much more devil's power than it is um going yard uh his hard hit rate was at 28.6 percent, ground ball rate at 44 percent, and I think this is going to be one of the keys for Hampson. Um, he is he does hit a lot of ground balls, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for a speedster like him. But as we break down his detailed batted ball profile, he's hitting a in his 48 major league plate appearances, he's hitting a lot of really bad ground balls. You know, ones that are right into the dirt. That even if you're fast, you're going to have a really hard time. Um, uh, turning into base hits and so that is um that is a little bit of a concern because throughout his minor league career he never had a ground ball rate below forty four percent so something to to take, take note of and something that's likely going to uh, keep that uh those home that home run total uh, in check uh, significantly uh hard hit uh, fly ball rate again we're talking minuscule sample size here forty four point four percent Hard hit, pulled fly ball percent, 25%. To be honest with you, we shouldn't even be covering them at this small of a, a sample size. 2.1% barrels per plate appearance. So he did have that one barrel. Four RBIs, 8.3% RBI per plate appearance. Uh, 355 WOBA, 325 expected WOBA. Two stolen bases. Uh, stolen base on 4.2% uh, of his um, plate appearances. And he attempted a stolen base on 74 Uh, percent of his stolen base opportunities, so better than league average. He's a very fast dude, uh, 30 uh, feet per second in terms of speed, which makes him, I believe he's pretty close to, if not in the top 10 of speedsters. Uh, Stolen base success rate, he was two for two on stolen bases. So, you know, overall, you know, the general sense in reading some of the uh, profiles of Hampson and taking a look at where he's been, he has very solid plate discipline, um, he's had good, um, uh, he's kept low uh, strikeout rates in general, you know, in AAA, 17.5%, uh, 9.9%, 12.8%. So he has shown the ability to make a lot of contact. He has relied uh, on very high babbits. Um, 366, 364, 323, 372. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how, as he plays against major league defenses, um, uh, major league uh, you know, defenses obviously are a lot better than what he's going to see in the minors. And so keeping that Babbitt up as a high ground ball hitter may be a little bit more challenging um, than it was um, in the minors. That detailed uh, batted ball uh, that detailed batted ball profile via x stats. He had twenty eight balls in play. So again, this is a very small sample size. But dribblers, he had thirty nine point three percent of his batted balls were dribblers. Um, that is fifteen percent higher than league average of twenty four point six percent again i'm going to put in the qualifier there that this is a very small sample size uh, hard drive rate though at 14.3 percent which is really nice that is about three and a half percent above league average and then his pop-up percentage was right around league average at 17.9 percent so obviously um, ground balls uh, the type of ground balls are going to be really important to um, his ability to get on base and maintain a high batting average when you're getting hampson you're really looking for the stolen bases. You're looking for the OBP and the batting average. Um, and in the Rockies lineup, you're looking primarily for runs um, without maybe having the same floor as like a D. Gordon or a Malik Smith. So that's something to consider with Hamson. And I think one thing uh, that, that's also critical, I'm not going to go into his rolling average graph because I'd be looking at five game sample sizes for his rolling average graph. Graph, but one thing that's really, really critical is it's all about playing time with with Hamson. If he gets the playing time that all the projection systems think he's going to get, right? The Bat has him at two sixty four. The AT, ATC has him at three seventy eight. Uh, Steamer has him at two ten. If he gets that type of plate appearances, he's probably not going to be able to contribute to your team uh, unless. Uh, you know you're able to get him on the waiver wire or sit him on the bench when he's not playing and he plays consistently for a little while because of injury or something like that you know then he's going to have minimal value and you're going to see that in the projection that i'm going to share in a second but if he's able to get 600 plate appearances you know then you're talking about a guy who's probably going to put up 30 plus uh stolen bases uh, with a decent batting average uh with you know uh potentially double digit home runs, and I think a lot of runs. And so that could be very, very valuable um, at the uh, 180 spot. Um, So let's take a look at that projection. So again, this is a projection of projections. This is taking steamer, the bat, and ATC and combining them, dividing them by three uh, to get the projection. What we get for Hampson is 294 plate appearances, 35 runs, four home runs, 28 RBI, and 13 stolen bases with a 275 batting average. Steamer has him by far the highest at a 291 batting average. Now at pick 182, that is a $7. Uh that is a $7 pick um, that you'd be using. And according to that projection, if that's what he gets, again, if he doesn't get playing time, you're looking at a negative $9 valuation. So well below replacement, uh, replacement level. Now, you know, chances are if you draft Hamson at 182 and he's not playing, you are either going to drop, drop him or have him on your bench and replace him with somebody else. So, you know, don't take, take that $9 loss to heart. It's based on 294 plate appearances, right? Um, but you know, it is a decent number pick right there. And so I think that's really important to, um, consider, uh, with uh, with Hampson is whether you can um, accept the level of risk that you are. And again, as drafts approach, we may get a better sense of what the Rockies are going to do, but they have a history of kind of uh, jerking around their, their prospects, uh, if we're being honest. Uh, so let's take a look at who's going around him. The five hitters going in front of Hampson are... Austin Meadows, Eduardo Escobar, Jonathan Scope, Brandon Nimmo, and Cesar Hernandez. So that's like a really good example, right? Like Cesar Hernandez, Brandon Nimmo, uh, pretty solid quantities, although, you know, with both of them, they're better in OBP leagues. Um, but guys who have, who, have, who have done it in the majors, Austin Meadows, a potential five category contributor there. Yuli Guriel is going right after Hampson. So high batting average, decent number of RBI, you know, just solid across the board. Paul DeYoung is going behind Garrett Hampson right now as a shortstop, and I think that's a really good comparison. Maybe not a really good comparison because they're very, very different players, right? DeYoung has the power, the RBI. But with DeYoung, it's already been stated, you know, in some media outlets, and again, they can change their mind, but that he's going to be the number three hitter in a very good uh, St. Louis Cardinals lineup. He's a guy who, outside of injuring his wrist and shortly thereafter, has demonstrated strong power. He should get a decent number of RBI and runs, and he's also shown some development in terms of his contact and um, plate discipline. So a guy like DeYoung is somebody that I would be prioritizing over Hampson unless I really needed the stolen bases. And again, that's why you're going for Hampson. But even a guy like Ramon Laureano on the A's, who's going at 187, he's a guy who has shown the ability to hit for both power and a little bit of speed in the majors so far, more so than Hampson has. He's playing in Oakland, and it looks like he's going to be starting in Oakland. And so you know, again, Another shortstop going right after Hampson, Jorge Polanco, a guy who I really like heading into next year. I know a lot of people like him, but the the contact improved, the plate discipline improved. Everything has been improving for a little while for Polanco, and so he's a guy who could, you know, get you 15 and 15 again. If Hampson plays, you know, he could he'll he'll probably double that stolen base total, but that's a huge question mark at least this point in the season. And then right, um, you know, Luke Voigt behind him, Willie Adamas uh, Corey Dickerson. So there's some, still some really good hitters, Marcus Semien going at 205. There's some Jesse Winker going at 206. There's some really good hitters, um, in this area. And so I think that's the challenge with taking Hampson. I think Hampson's a guy that you take a risk on if you feel like you need the stolen bases. Um, and that's kind of the, the area, the, the place that you want to take, take your shot. Um, that could certainly be, uh, be a good decision in the sense that I think if Hampson plays regularly, uh, the batting average shouldn't be too bad. Again, I do have some concerns about the batted ball profile and his ability to hit big league uh, pitching, at least with authority, but you know, something to consider there um, as well. So that is Garrett Hampson. Again, a very small major league sample size that we have. Definitely check out your favorite prospect websites, read up, find out what they have to think, what they have to say about Hampson and take it into consideration some of the skills we covered here, some of the perspectives, but definitely get other perspectives as well. Reach Charles, reach! <laughs> In today's Reach Charles, I just want to give a shout out to Jeff Zimmerman Who writes at Rotographs? Uh, He's part of the Launch Angle Podcast. Uh, He wrote The Process along with Tanner Bell, which is a great book. If you haven't gotten it yet, you should definitely purchase it. It's really just an in-depth dive into every aspect of fantasy baseball strategy um, from the draft to in-season management. And as Jeff always does, he's always integrating research. He does a lot of research um, to try to find out the actual answers too many questions that we have about fantasy baseball, except using data, uh, to determine whether, you know, the things that we feel like are intuitive or make sense, um, you know, in our own minds are actually validated by, by the data. Um, and that is always really, really, really helpful. Um, one of the things that I always find helpful is thinking back at a study he did uh, a few years ago, looking at, uh, injured, injured players and whether, you know, players were predisposed to, certain players were predisposed to being injured. The guy that everybody always talked about was Giancarlo Stanton because he was always getting injured, but they were kind of freak accidents. And so, you know, the research that uh, that he did showed that, you know, there are some instances um, with like soft tissue issues where players may be quote unquote injury prone, um, but with some of this, you know, freak injury stuff that there actually isn't much method um, to uh, the madness or to the designation of Uh, injured players so that's just one example of some of the research that he's been putting out over the years that is just really really helpful he also puts out these incredibly helpful tools Um, one for me that I use every spring training is he will put out the uh, velocity of all of the pitchers and compare them to previous years during spring training and during the season so you can get a sense of whether you know a guy's velocity may be down whether his velocity may, may be up Um, and also thinking about what that means uh, for potential injuries or for potential breakouts. He also did some research looking at spring training stats and what might carry over to the season from spring training. We always hear that spring training stats don't matter, Um, but he took a look at it and actually saw, uh, using the uh, example of Yonder Alonso, which got him thinking about this, that um, you can look at Uh, uh, that ground ball rate or air outs as it's referred to in MLB's spring training stats, um, that that actually um, has some predictive value in terms of hitters making adjustments to their swing and and trying to hit more fly balls. So these are just some examples, but then some of the recent stuff, you know, he puts out almost an article a day on rotographs, um, and they all have really helpful bits of information, whether they're individual player analysis or more broadly. One article in particular that I loved recently that he did is setting the hitter-pitcher split to create overall rankings um, and kind of walking folks through that process, what that looked like. Um, and then also providing at the end of it, he provided um, kind of his overall auction values based on uh, the standard game points split that he had devised. And he included on that some historic auction values for the different draft positions. And what I... Um, you know and and a couple folks asked me afterwards i i put together my um catcher preview and i used those historic auction values as kind of uh, the value for um the pick or the or the ADP and i had a bunch of people ask me afterwards about that and i shared that article with them just because i think for so many reasons that article like so many of his um, are are super, super helpful. So if you aren't following Jeff already on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at Jeff W. Zimmerman. Uh, definitely go give him a follow. Read his articles as he posts them on Rotographs and other, um, uh, other places. Listen to the Launch Angle podcast. It's a great podcast. They do detailed profiles of folks via ADP and just some really insightful strategy conversations between him and Rob. So um, shout out to Jeff Zimmerman. Thank you for putting out so much information. Thank you for sharing your knowledge uh, with the fantasy baseball community. I, for one, um, definitely uh, very, very much appreciate that. And yeah, thank you. That is going to wrap us up for episode 57 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We took a look at at Alberto Mondesi in-depth, probably uh, the most in-depth profile I have done uh, of any player uh, this offseason. Just a really, really hard guy to pin down. Uh, To be honest with you, like 100% of my rational thought, like the rational narrative that I'm putting together, tells me that maybe he won't get value from the the 40th spot, but from a team construction standpoint, with the right team, at being drafted at 40 ADP, he can help out a lot, and that he's going to be good. He's going to get plate appearances. um, He's in the optimal situation to do everything he can to maximize uh, the skills that he has and the skills that he brings to your fantasy baseball team. I'm still having trouble, you know, kind of, solidly just saying that I believe in that um, because I think you know there are holes in the profile right there are concerns you know the contact isn't terrible but it's not that good the O swing is improving but it's still not that good and there could certainly be regression as um, you know as pitchers adjust and they get a better book on uh, what Mondesi is doing so that could certainly happen but you know, right now I'm leaning towards um, uh, leaning towards actually supporting that 40 40 ADP. So I don't know. Let me know what you think, whether you think I'm crazy or not. I know that is not, definitely not uh, necessarily a popular opinion among um, folks in the, in the fantasy baseball industry, but who knows. Uh, also covered Rafael Devers, a guy who, you know, I think at some point in his career will put it all together and become the player that folks are expecting, but he's still young. And he just hasn't shown a real standout tool or standout quality um, that that makes me want to draft him where he's going, given some of the other folks that are out there. And then Garrett Hampson, your standard, you know, speed guy, but who has the benefits of decent contact, solid plate discipline, and playing in cores. And the major question with him is just gonna be, you know. Well, I think there's two major questions. I think the number one question is, will he get enough consistent playing time to contribute to your fantasy baseball team? And then I think the second question is whether the approach that has made him successful in the minors will be able to withstand improved defense and improved pitching. Um, I do think that's a question for me, as it is with all prospects, right? So um, that is that The one thing that I will mention with Adalberto Mondesi is that when I was doing the SGP valuation, I did use the bat rankings and they um, have Mondesi, uh, the bat has him him lowest uh, among the three publicly available projections uh, on Fangraphs. And so his valuation using the bat projection is $18, Uh, the max I believe is $27. For Mondesi, and that is using Steamer, uh, which is normally the more conservative of the projection systems. And I will also mention that the split I was using, the hitter pitcher split I was using in developing those valuations, was sixty three thirty seven, which is much closer to, um, uh, which is much closer to the uh, NFBC breakdown of hitters and pitchers, and not necessarily your traditional home league. And so, with more money um towards batters than uh, Mondesi's. Uh, value would also um, go up in that scenario. So that's also something um, to consider as I talk about valuation. All right, enough uh, hemming and hawing about Alberto Mondesi. You've heard enough about him. Next up will be the first base preview. Definitely looking forward to that. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Best of luck with your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.